Hey guys, this of course is a re-release of the amazing Event Nicole Brown's episode. Uh, you know, I chose this one. Unfortunately, it's just been so crazy with everything that's been going on, um, up to and including SF Sketchfest, which announces its uh, full lineup tomorrow. Uh, I know many of you are on that mailing list, so um, uh, I hope you get a chance to check that out. I'm really excited about it, and tickets go on sale on Sunday. But that is kind of a 14 to 15 hour a day uh, workload at this point. So I wasn't able to get in a recording this week, and we're going to take next week off as it is Thanksgiving, and we want to give the marvelous Katie Levine some uh, some breaks here. Uh, so hope to be back the following week. And uh, I chose Yvette's episode because I still remember it as one of the most uplifting, one of the most positive, one of the most motivating episodes of the podcast. And I think um, under the circumstances of, you know, the election and whether or not you are um, happy about the results or unhappy about about the results, I think everyone's feeling a tremendous amount of tension. And uh, I don't know, I just thought this this that episode was was something that um, to me is a nice way to uh, lean on positivity a bit. Uh, Shout out wise, I just want to thank amongst other people. I got so many great responses uh, after last week's episode and just, you know, on Twitter and lots of solidarity happening with good people. Uh, I want to thank Joseph, Ryan, Hannah, uh, Devon, Mary, Tiana, Brenda and Rachel for your uh, kind thoughts and your emails and uh, the person who sent me the email about Trump, you know who you are. And thank you so much for sharing that. It really uh, has been incredibly helpful. And um, uh, at some point, maybe I'll be able to share more with it with the rest of the listeners on the podcast, if that's cool with you. Uh, And so that's it. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and I uh, wish you a very, very happy uh, holiday, however you choose to celebrate it. And I will uh, talk to you soon on the podcast. Now entering Nerdist.com. Uh, this is really, really cool. If you follow uh, both of us, you probably noticed on Twitter that um, we were planning on doing this. But this is my... I've now... I mean, have I completed my set? It's have I com- is, it's do I community- have the complete it's, set? It's, it's a complete set, yes. Uh, as a collector of podcast episodes with the amazing women of community, I am here with Yvette Nicole Brown. Yay! And I'm so excited that uh, that this worked out. And it speaks to the power of Twitter because Yvette and I actually don't know each other. No, we just met. Did you know you know Allison and, you know Allison and Gillian before? I did know them before, yeah. Them. She I opened your home to them. me, everybody. Well, well. I mean, I'm definitely going to check your pockets before you leave. <laughs> There's you no should. question about that. But should. I do that with in fairness, I do yeah, that with I my understand. oldest friends. Totally, please do it. My oldest friends. I just have so many knickknacks <laughs> that people can't resist walking away with. Um, yeah, I knew. I guess I knew. I, I knew Gillian and Allison through the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Yes, and and, I've done and you've the done it. But, uh, never when you're there. Never, never when I'm there. It's there. just been that serendipity has not uh, hit us. You yet, could be Gillian's cousin too, by the way. I or will, sister. You guys I will cherish really, that no, compliment. You guys got the same little keen nose and eyes. Oh. Yeah, you could do that. She you didn't see that is, resemblance. No, I think she's like she's uh gorgeous. she looks like she's from another yeah, planet like of a beautiful people. Doll. She is. A little tiny porcelain doll. She is. Mm-hmm. And I, I I've said this before and and I said this on the episode with her but I 
she's so reserved in a super great way. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing, but she's so reserved and so together. And she's like, when she's not working, she doesn't wear any makeup. No. And she's just such a lady, she, even though yeah. she's not, but she, she's but not, she presents but she has, as that thing. Gillian, I, Gillian is fearless in that she's, she's not uh, owned by the trappings of this business yes. in the sense that, you know, if she has to zhuzh it up, she'll zhuzh it up. Yeah. And no one can zhuzh it up better than Gillian. Like she's designer dresses, heels, the whole shebang. But if she's just going to the grocery store, she's going to wake up, wash her face, pull her hair in a ponytail and go to the grocery store. Yeah. And she's not playing that game. Yeah. And I really respect her for that. Me um, too. And she's, she's very reserved and intelligent, but she's also really goofy and awkward. Which is what which I is sort endearing. of, it's, yeah, I found out. Yeah. It took me a while to find out, but I would see her and I'm... I'm not reserved and I'm just such, and I, I always said to her, I feel like I even was, I would apologize. I could tell that she was a great person. So I was apologizing for it while it was happening. But you know how they say that like the French people are like cats and Americans are like dogs. Dogs. That's how I felt about her. I felt always like I was bounding around, bouncing in circles (laughs) around her. Like, Hey, Kelly, what's going on? I really want you. Let's hang out. And she she would be like, Hey, Varney. Hey, Varney. (laughs) I think that she has like an alter ego. I think that the, the, the public appearance of her is so like, Prim and proper, but yeah. Gillian is insane. Like, it's so know that, great that you are. She's it's both. like the mothership. Like when you bounce I around, love it. she wants to bound around with you. Trust me. Uh, so yeah, I love it. Yeah, she's good people. Um, but yeah, so thrilling adventure hour, and I and I know that you've done it, and uh, and I keep hoping that we'll end up on the same mm-hmm. one. But now we've taken matters into our own hands. No, and it came together quick. Didn't we just talk about this like last week? I know then? that's the thing. You know what? Sometimes that's better than trying to plan something way far Agreed. out in advance. It just Agreed. becomes like, oh, you can, I can. Great, let's just do it. Good. Um, good. So I'm very glad of that. Um, uh, here is what I will tell you uh, that I know about you on this fine Sunday, okay. which is that um, I somehow know, I think you're from Ohio. I'm from Cleveland, yes. And I don't know why I know that, but I thought about that when uh, I was getting my episode that I just put out this last week together because it was my friend Suzanne Santo, mm-hmm. who has also done the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Ah. Major thr- shout outs to Thrilling Adventure Hour because yes. I've met some of my favorite people in LA through that show and they have their own podcast that you guys should be listening to. Um, um, but Suzanne Santo from the band Honey Honey is also from Ohio. So I was thinking about that when I knew I was going to see you. She is from Parma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then her parents live in Strongsville yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Ohio. Did all you spend, were you there all the way through like Yeah. I was in high, high Ohio until I was 22. I think I moved out here when I was 22 or 23. Um, born and raised. It was a really horrible uh, snowstorm that brought me to LA quicker than I expected. Like really? it's the last snowstorm. I think it's, I can't won't say the year because now I've already said what age I was in that year, but (laughs) it was a really bad snowstorm when you're in Cleveland. And I lived in a two family house. So me and my mom lived downstairs and our landlord lived upstairs. We had to go upstairs to see what was going on outside. That's how much snow our entire level of the house was packed in all the way around. When we got up to the top, it's crazy. So when we got up to the upper level, um, my landlord's um, like porch or whatever, the street had become a parking lot. People literally got out of their cars and just threw their hands up and walked away. And I thought to myself, we, we don't really have to live like this. No, no, <laughs> you know, it was like a third world country. I'm like, this is crazy. And so after that, I was like, this is my last summer. I mean, winter here. I'm never yeah. doing this again. And I have not. I've been back in winter one time for my friend Nikki's um, wedding. But otherwise, I don't even go back and visit in the winter. Your version of your your experience with Ohio is exactly the opposite of mine with Arizona because I'm from Tucson. Uh, so I do not go there in the summer. See? 
I only go there in the right. winter. I only go right. there like between Christmas and New right. Year's because in the summer when it's like it's crazy. 100 and t- 120 it's degrees, crazy. that's not even like with the hum- there's no humidity, no. so it's just but that's straight what it's up been here this week though. This week has been this last week has been crazy in oh, the valley. Anyway, I know what it's like in this lovely place that you live, which is very peaceful and calm. But in the valley, deep in the valley, it right. was literally like 113. Like when you added like the the level of smog and whatever oh. that just blanketed us. It was horrible. So yeah, yeah that's some nasty Understood. stuff. It's really nasty. But I do, but yeah. I like snow, but I never had that experience. The only experience with snow I had was and living in it was, uh, I went to school for two and a half years in Flagstaff, which okay. is in Northern Arizona. Mm-hmm. And that's like the sweetest, like nicest Northern Arizona snow. Little... It's like, even if it quote unquote dumps, yeah. it's like, it's just like a, a foot and, like, and it's dusting. pristine. It's a dusting. Yeah. And then yeah. like the next day no. it's bright and sunny and no. then some of it melts no. and da da da. No, so sweetie. this is like, no. it's a good thing Ohio. that the stairs were on the inside. I know. That you, you could imagine? even get up there, yeah, but to feel right. suffocated I by know. that. It was, it was horrible. And the snow, it was just bad snow drifts and you can't drive in it. One of the best things about growing up in Ohio is I learned to drive in the winter so oh, you could all the stuff here, on please, a... come on. <laughs> this is a little rain stuff that right? happens. I'm like, come on, everybody calm down. Yeah. So that's the best thing about growing up in Ohio. Did you, so did you say it was just you and your mom? Me, my mom, and my brother. And your brother. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how much younger or older is your brother than you? My brother is two and a half years older than me. And is he still over there? Is no, he's in Inglewood now. Everybody's moved out west. My mom is um, in Vegas right now, but she'll be moving back to LA. Nice. And my brother's in Inglewood. So we're all here together. What? Um, okay. So you moved. So you moved sooner than you thought you would. Did you, did they move with you, or did, were you like no, I'm done? I moved, and my mom came out. I think three or four years later, and my brother came a year after her. Okay. So it kind of was like um, once my mother heard about how great the weather was and stuff. You know, I don't think any of us were really meant to be in snow. I don't think we're we're, we're hardy people, but we're not that right. kind. You know, it's just. I don't spirit know, killing, yeah extreme so. weather i'm i'm so impressed that people yeah. just like accept it but see this is the thing <clears throat> i don't think they know there's another way <laughs> like i literally there was yeah. a woman uh went back it was around the time my, my friend's wedding we're riding around it's in february so snow was crazy and there was a woman she was like in her late 50s walking in snow drips drifts up to her knees and <sighs> you know um scarf around her face and <sighs> the wind is just pounding her in the face and she's walking carrying these groceries and I, I asked my friend to um, to roll the window down because I need to tell her something because I figured she didn't know. Come out west! I literally screamed <laughs> to this woman, you don't have to live like... I mean, it's, I just don't think they get that there yeah. is another way. Like, yeah. you just get, okay, November comes, December comes, it's going to snow. And they just start batting down the hatches and getting ready for this onslaught. And I'm like, yeah. move out of this. You don't have to do it. So yeah. there it is. I just think they don't know that they can leave. But at the same time... I mean, we got to keep this place to ourselves a little bit, I mean, right? I just talked to someone who's born and raised in Long Beach, our um, our hair lady, Loretta, on community. And she said, you know, I just need people to stop coming here. Just too many people. <laughs> right. And I need the freeways to myself. It was just oh, so, yeah, freeways. I really don't want a lot of people to move here. These 405, my God. I would agree. My God that. in heaven. My God, my sweet Lord in heaven. My sweet Lord in heaven, the 405. I w- I'm going to say I hit the 405. <laughs> Maybe once a week. I might have it Why in me to chance it. Maybe to once Why a week. Even? At the most, though. It's, well, I for mean, one thing, my is, boyfriend lives in Brentwood. Well, you it's have very to rough. do it. Like, you have to. The thing is, the problem with the 405 is you have to take it. Yeah. There's no other way around it. And sometimes, even if you choose the streets or Sepulveda, other people have made that decision as well. Correct. So, you're really in a position to really just kind of. Unless you're willing to way. do all of your traveling at like 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. No, I think that it. I remember someone said this about the 405. It stands for, it's going to take you four or five hours to get wherever you're going, no matter what time you get on it. 
What a downer. Like literally for real. So I mean, I've gotten on at two o'clock in the morning coming from my brother's house in Inglewood and it's literally been bumper to bumper traffic for no reason. Like you just never know why it's, it makes me sad. I get that sort of like that, this, this voice that comes up for me a lot when I'm driving. Why is this happening? It's not really crying. Right. It's just, it's, but it's not, it's it's like better that than rage. Right. This sort of like whimper of just defeat. of I don't understand why this is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I have cried on the four or five. I'm not going to lie. There's been tears. Uh, Oh, I have too. I would say I've cried less on the four or five than I have on Olympic coming from Santa Monica back east. Holy mother of God. I, yeah. It makes me so, like, five o'clock. Yeah. Oh, you finished that commercial audition yeah. and you're heading back. Yeah. It's just the most sinking feel. I, I mean, talk about, like, like <clears throat> not wealthy people problems by any stretch of the first imagination, pro- but yeah. certainly first world problems. I have yeah. um, pulled over on Olympic and turned my car off and rolled the windows down and pulled out a magazine. Yeah. And just sat it out. Yeah. Just I've gone to a out. movie. Gone like, to, I've, I've had no City. business. No Century time. City. No time to go to a movie. Me too. I've just been like, you I, know what? I'm, I gotta let go. <laughs> I've stopped at Century City and, and gone, done a little light shopping. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Went to the food court. Like, it's gonna yes. be, you know. Yeah, true. Mine as well. That. Might as well do that. a little browsing. I mean, if it's gonna be like that. True oh, that. True that. True that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about about growing up in Cleveland. We won't spend too much time on your early childhood, but once you got into about high school era, mm-hmm. uh, what was it like for you? What were you What were you into? <clears throat> were you a good student? Well, you know what's funny? Uh, I was a good student. I always was. I, I grew up in East Cleveland. I, I moved to Warrensville. It's like a suburb when I was like in fifth grade. But in East Cleveland, you know, single parent home, we didn't have a lot of money. And so my mother made it clear when I was younger, if you're going to go to college, it's going to be because you got a scholarship because yeah. I just don't have the money to send you. So that kind of got stuck in my head, like at a very young age. So all through school, I was thinking, I'm probably going to want to go to college and I need to do this myself. So I was always very conscientious in school. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I don't think I have anymore, I used to have a, a photographic memory. So what I would do, oh, yeah, nice. but, but you know, limited though, like it was right. <clears throat> photographic for the hour of the test. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would just look over all my notes, like 10 minutes before I went into the class and it, I could see it. I would see my notes oh, in my brain as if I had just, I was looking great. at them and I would be able to quickly write down the answers to everything. Just remembering what before I just saw. It all just, before it all just evaporated in front of me. And I kind of do the same thing on community. I'll just, I'll look at my, my lines right before and just hold it long enough to do the take. But I kind of do that too, actually, yeah. now that you bring so, that yeah. up. Yeah. You know, and, and it does help to really, I think, writing. especially right. Yeah. Writing down or writing. It's interesting that you say that because I do feel like if I have like a speech mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like that where I have to to really remember a block of text. If you write it down. If you write it down. And it yeah. is almost like you're seeing in a way that you don't see the typed out part. That's right. If you've written it, you hand. almost do see it's, your own handwriting. It's, in your it's hand. fascinating. Because yes, I've never thought about it that write before. Write it out. You have it. You'll own it's it. so true. It doesn't stay with you. Like I have no memory or recollection of anything I learned in school. Right. <laughs> got great grades. Um, hey. So anyway, I moved to Warrensville when I was in fifth grade. And it was kind of like culture shock because in East Cleveland, we were still wearing pigtails and, you know, overalls. And I mean, it's really hick kind of stuff happening uh, back then. And then I moved to, to Please Warrensville. tell me that you would have like a <laughs> piece of hay. <laughs> stick of hay sticking out maybe not that country but it really was like you know pigtails and like kids were kids like we were still playing yeah. with barbies in fifth grade and then i went to warrensville which was like moving from maybe compton to uh beverly hills oh, wow. that's what was what the shift was and i remember walking in the first day and the girls have on like gloria vanderbilt jeans and you know they're their hair is curled and you know they have on lip gloss and i'm sitting walking in with pigtails and pink corduroy pants and uh <laughs> 
it was not a good look right. for a very long time. And I was kind of a, kind of an outcast. But what was cool in, at Warrensville, at least my friends in fifth grade, we decided that we would be cool as outcasts. Like who gets to decide that we're not cool? Oh, we, I love we it. weren't cool, but <laughs> we decided that we were. And yeah. so we had our own little clique of oddly shaped brace faced, pimply corduroy pants wearing <sighs> chicks. And every last one of us has gone on to do great things because we learned at a young age that, you know, beauty isn't everything. And that, you know, personality and intelligence is more important than necessarily having the perfect hairstyle. Yeah. The ones that had the, per- and you know, not knocking cute girls or popular girls, but the ones that had the great hairstyles and the cute boyfriends, they kind of peaked around 11th or 12th grade and they never went on to do much of anything after that. But those of us that, you know, we're studying and, and making up weird quirky songs and writing plays and just really the weirdest kids in the school. We all have gone on to do things that are greatly creative and, um, you know, the seeds of which were sown then, because I feel like when you're a kid, um, that magic time when you're alone, like right between dinner and bed, mm-hmm. what you do with that time, is like the seeds of what you're going to become in the future. If you pay oh, attention wow. to that, think about it. So what I used to do in that little, I call it the magic hour, like that magic hour I used to, you know, um, interview myself, weird nerd, nerd alert. I had two I cassette players, <laughs> my brothers and my cassette player. And I would record the questions on one cassette tape. Oh! I, swear, I know it's horrible. It's horrible. Then I would move I the cassette it. tape into the other and then play it and then record my answers yeah. in a different voice. Yes, you know what I, mean? I and, totally get and this. I don't even know what I was being interviewed for. Like, I don't know what character I created that she was. Probably that, did, yeah, it didn't, didn't matter. It didn't matter. I would do little commercials in between. I would sing little jingles. Like it literally was like a full show the Yvette Brown show or whatever. Please and, tell me that these tapes still exist they somewhere. They do exist. I still have a box of them in my basement, in my garage right now. Oh I have to God. find them. I mean, if I ever have the courage to, to let someone hear them, but you know, I get interviewed now. I'm sitting here getting interviewed by you now. I um, <clears throat> have been blessed to guest co-host on the view or the Nate Berkish show, or whatever. And I'm interviewing other people like, and all of that stuff was started, you know, when I was eight years old in my room with two cassette players. So I just feel like that's true for every single person, but I don't think we give ourselves permission to do the things that we did in that magic hour. Maybe we were coloring. Maybe you're supposed to be an artist. Maybe we were um, designing clothes for Barbie dolls. Maybe you should be a designer. You know, what, what did you love to do when everything else you had to do was done? That's what you should do for your life. So So, much. Yeah. So that was um, my childhood was like in my room with the door closed, making weird videos. I mean, cassette tapes and songs. I mean, I was doing the same thing. So no judgment at all. Yeah. I mean, very much the same. I, I, all I can think is how brilliant that you were interviewing yourself. And I wish (laughs) I would have thought of that because I did record myself like whenever I could, I was fascinated with, Oh, it's funny because I think when you're, when you, when you're a certain age, you're not thinking as much about being self-conscious. And then at a certain point I started to hate the sound of Of my own voice, voice, hearing my own voice back. And I knew do a cartoon voice too. So you understand that it took me a long time, even as a performer crossing the line between feeling like I was valued for whatever person performance I could bring that involved my voice, but like whatever. And I sing too. And I know you do do too, but somehow the speaking voice, maybe it's because we sing that it feels like, well, if you're just hearing my voice, I should be at least singing. You shouldn't have to just listen to my speaking voice. Weren't you shocked by how you sounded though? Like the first time I heard my voice, I was like, who's that? Weirded out. Yeah. Super weirded out. And I, I think you... I kind of had to get over it and just accept that there's no point in being frustrated about this because everyone else has been hearing this for years. Yeah. It's only new to me. 
<laughs> this that sounds right. At the time, to- when, when you're realizing that, that's one of the things you have to get over. Though, right. You're like, I can't believe this whole the, time been I've been thinking. This. Yeah. Right. Because in my mind, I am resonant and amazing. But you are resonant well, and amazing. I mean, maybe now, but when I first heard myself on a, a cassette tape, it was this tinny little weird right. you know, eight year old And that's voice. part of it, too, is that the way that technology projects you back right. to you then it was different than it right. is now, too. Right. Right. But yeah, I loved, I did love recording myself doing stuff and, and, uh, and I would do like, you know, like music videos yeah. where I would just, it was for no one else. Just I mean, for us. Just yeah, inside just for me. your right. room. And that's such an amazing time. Yeah. I love the idea of it being the magic hour post dinner before bed. Yeah, that's, that's what it such is. such a brilliant Because that's the only time that you have as a kid that's all yours. Your homework's done. You've eaten your meal. You know, it's not bedtime yet. You yeah. know, I, I fear that kids nowadays are using that time, you know, online or on TV or, or yeah. video games. And I'm not knocking that stuff, but you kind of find out who you are in that magic hour. That's mm-hmm. how you find out what you really love because that is essentially what you do without being paid because you have, there's nothing to do and you chose to do this. This is, yeah. you don't have no homework. Homework's done. Yeah. This is your time to do whatever you want and that's what you chose. So that tells you like if I, if I had my choice, if I could pick anything in the world, it'd be something that started in yeah. this stuff. It'd be creative. Or Even be, if it's just that you're reading yeah, about maybe, a thing that you're right, nuts about. Right. Maybe, or, I mean, if you're reading, maybe you're going to be a book reviewer or a book editor. I mean, there's yeah. a thousand different ways you can find it. And I always tell adults when I talk to adults sometimes that are struggling, they're in the, that place in their career where they're like, ah, I don't know what to do. I'm like, go back to being in fifth grade, fourth grade. What did you do in that hour? And they're like, oh my God, I painted. Okay. Do you still love painting? I love it. But I don't, we don't give ourselves permission to yeah. do things. We, we decide in our mind this is not a valid career path. Yeah. This won't lead you. I don't know what the circumstances. It's so fear driven. Come on. You know? I don't know what the circumstances of your childhood were, but I'm not supposed to be in entertainment. I'm a, a curvy black chick with fluffy hair of a certain age from East Cleveland. I knew no one. I had no connections. I'm not the hot chick. So there's like, there's no way that I'm supposed to be having this career, but God had a different plan for me. And it's because I gave myself permission to dream bigger than what my environment said. Mm. Cleveland said, you can't do this girl. You mm-hmm. better get a job. I remember mm-hmm. the last job I had in Cleveland, I was working at a, um, a place for the um, mentally challenged. And I was in the office, the main office. And there was a social worker there. I will never forget her. I don't remember her name, but I'll never forget her face. And what she said to me, it was right after college. And I was, it was the first job I had after college. And I was like, um, I want to go to LA and I want to be a singer. I want to be a singer. I want to be a singer and an actress. I want to go to LA. And this woman said to me, girl, you're going to end up pregnant. And, um, Mm. did she say unemployed? She might've said unemployed, but she, I believe it was something you're going to end up pregnant and working right here for the, in Cleveland for the rest of your life. In other words, don't dream little girl. Don't dream. And I'm like, I bet you, I I bet you, I, I bet I won't. The next day I was like online trying to figure out, I'm not online, but um, researching how to get to, to LA and talking to friends. Like I immediately hyperdrive, got to get out of here. Which is so interesting. I mean, it's so interesting that you, do you feel like that's something that came from your, your mom or like uh, where did, where, because here's what I'm getting at. I feel like that, if that does what that woman said to you works mm-hmm. on nine out of 10 girls and you right. were the 10th, right? Nine out of 10 girls hear that and go, that is, that's ter- it. You're, I guess dream. that's, yeah. you know, I don't, I'm trying to protect myself from being hurt. Right. They're trying, you know, sometimes the road, you know, the road to hell is paid, paved with good intentions. Good intentions. Like that woman was like, I don't want to see this sweet girl's heart get broken. I'm but just, I don't gonna, even I, know but I don't know. Or, 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 or she angry nah, she was about angry. her own life she and projecting that onto about you. Her own life. And she was thinking, I think she saw me and thought, Oh no, I'm 40. I'm 45. I'm 50. You're not getting out of here. I didn't get out. Yeah. It was really like there's this mentality of crabs in a barrel where you, you know the story about crabs in a barrel? 
Uh, yeah. Uh, they pull each other down. Yeah, tell me, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell, tell the, the story. Tell Crabs the story. are in a barrel and they're chilling. Like nobody's sweating anything. They're just rolling around in the, in the barrel together. The moment one crab says, I've had enough of this, I want more for my crab life, and starts crawling towards this, the ceiling or, or to the top of the bucket, as soon as he gets to the point where his last leg is about to tip over, one of the other crabs reaches up and pulls him back down. Mm. Like, he's almost out. Yeah. And they yeah. literally, and it's, I'm thinking to myself, can't you just be happy that you, you didn't made your peace with this little bucket situation. Yeah. I don't want it. Why can't, why are you trying to get me back in here with you? Like that whole misery loves company. Thing. Yeah. So it felt to me that it was crabs in a barrel with her. I didn't. Well, so, and you're right. Certainly her saying you're going to be pregnant. Yeah, and da, 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 da. Well, it wasn't coming but sometimes from a people place. are also trying. I mean, yeah. that's, that's double. That's, that's twice the thing that was like two. Some people are coming from a good place. Some people right. are coming from a bad place, but that's now twice as many people saying, don't drink. Don't do it. I had to for friends. one reason or another. When I made the decision to come, I had two friends. that I, One I'm still friends with. The other one, I don't know where she is. Um, they took me out to dinner and a movie to say goodbye. As I said, I'm going to move to LA, guys. I'm living my dream. We got to, we pulled into the parking lot of my house, and I'm going to get out, and the locks went. <laughs> the locks locked. And the two of them were in the front of, front seat, and they turned and faced me in the back seat. So I'm literally like locked in the back seat of this car, <laughs> child locks on. And I'm like, what's going on? I go, Yvette, we are very worried about you moving to LA. You don't have any money. You don't know anybody. You don't have a job. And we think you should really think this over. And it's a very scary place. And you should. Uh, And I listened to them. They talked to me for probably 15, 20 minutes without stopping. Just both of them tag teaming why I should not move to LA. And they said, do you understand what we're trying to tell you? I said, yes. What you're trying to tell me is that you're very afraid of moving to LA. uh, So I don't think you should ever move to LA. (laughs) I don't have that fear. So I'm going to do, and I never did. I really... I didn't have any money. I didn't have a place to stay. I had a place to stay for three days when I moved to LA. Um, and I had no job and I knew no, nobody. I, it was really a bad situation, but I wasn't afraid for some reason. Like I just felt like it was like the mothership calling me home. I felt like, <clears throat> I felt like it was really divine. I felt like God was like, this well, is where you're supposed yeah, to go. Yeah. That's what I want to ask you about is because I think that that's, uh, that is something that people of faith really mm-hmm. have, which mm-hmm. is a sense that even without a physical person that they can lean on in a situation that's right. new or frightening, if you have that faith and you feel like you're taken care of in that right. way, it's right. tr- people truly can accomplish right. miraculous things. And my mom was golden in this as well because my mom didn't have money to help me get there. She didn't know anybody, any place where I should stay, could stay. But my mom said to me, if you feel you need to go, you should go. And she said, Worst case scenario, you come back here. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. You'll always have a home here. So fly. She literally was like, fly, little bird. Yeah. And my mom, I, you, I would think that my mom wouldn't have done that because when I was choosing my college, <coughs> excuse me, when I was choosing my college, she didn't want me to leave Ohio because I wanted to go to Howard. I wanted to go to UCLA. And she said, no, you should go someplace in Ohio in case you need me. I'll be close by. Mm. So she didn't even, and I, and I honored her in that. I didn't go. I went to the University of Akron, great school, but it wasn't necessarily my first choice um for entertainment purposes sure um, did you get that scholarship um i did i got a i got a four-year scholarship to the uh, nice. university of Akron. yeah yeah and a couple actually i got one from um high school i got a couple of grants and scholarships there and then when i went to college i had a full year pernell fort scholar that is so years. awesome yeah it was great did you would uh was your was your high school do you feel did you feel challenged by it in terms of the scholastics was it a really big public school it was, or a, was it? it was a public school um did i feel challenged i mean i had honors classes all the way through hard to say if i was challenged i'm kind of lazy so i think i yeah yeah i mean when it, when you when it comes easy academics always came easy for me so i never really had to to struggle through it um because again i would just you know 
We got tricks. Look at the notes. Notes in my brain before yeah. I go in and it's good. So no, I never felt really challenged. I was never at home like, oh, I got this test. I got it. No, not really. Yeah. And I wasn't really challenged that much even in college because I had the same gift. I could just read my notes and get good, good grades. Um, but I wasn't a gifted program when I was a kid. So I make fun of being lazy, but I actually might just be intelligent. And I'm calling it lazy. I, I think that's know. probably what yeah, it is. I, I think, I think it's hard to know. I think it's hard to know in the context. That's kind of why I asked in the context of the environment that you're in, because I feel like I guess I could have gone to, you know, a private school mm. and really just, you know, I had friends who were like seriously cracking under the pressure yeah. of trying to get into really, really esteemed universities mm-hmm. that you couldn't even get into if yeah. you didn't go to a school that was more of a college prep school. But I guess I just felt like, I don't know, I guess I just didn't think that much about yeah. it. I was like, well, listen, I'm a good student in the school that I'm in. Right. I don't know that I feel impatient to be challenged mm-hmm. more. I like what I'm, I'm interested in a lot of the stuff that we're studying. That doesn't mean that I'm hitting the books right, every night, right. but I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the, I hated homework, but I enjoyed the social yeah. aspect of being taught in a classroom. Right. And I still do. I feel like these people that go out and as adults are still just like pouring over books and mm-hmm. just, and, and self-educating in that specific way where they take, that's their magic hour yeah. is that they're, that's you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Pouring like we, I, I need the social aspect. I feel like I need to learn with other people yeah. and I need to hear other people's opinions and yeah. I need to be riled up by yeah. stuff. Yeah. And that's sort of how I absorb. Yeah. And so I miss the class part of it. I just I got the it. homework part. Makes yeah. me Bananas. I had a interesting thing happen to me. I was really good. Um, I did really well on the, um, ACT, um, my junior year. And so, and I was like a semifinalist in some, I don't even remember. It just didn't matter to me, but I was a semifinalist <laughs> in some, test that we had to take in Ohio. And, um, I started getting recruited by like Yale and all these really big USC, these really big schools. And I'm so, I'm such a doofus. I didn't realize it was a big deal. So like all these brochures and letters are coming from Yale and Harvard and Princeton. And, um, I'm sure I'm like, Oh, it's nice. And I talked to friends. I didn't know that it was a big deal until I had chose to go to the university of Akron. And a friend of mine came over as I was packing and she saw this stack of all these college letters and she said, what's it? Oh, it was just a letter that they sent everybody about Yale. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, no, boo. They don't. Yale doesn't send letters to everybody. And I was like, I could have went to Yale. Like, it just hit me that, you know, I just thought that every senior got letters from everybody. Like, yeah. I just wasn't thinking that, you know, I knew I did well on the test, but I'm like, so what? I just did well on the test. I did well on all my tests. So it didn't matter to me. Sure. Um, and so I, I think about it sometimes, like what my life would have been if I would have actually um, applied myself when it came to academics. I never really had to apply myself. And I think if I would have really hunkered down and been like, let me really get to the crux of this, you know, who knows where I could be intellectually right now. Cause I right. feel like sometimes even especially around Gillian, cause she's so well, she's so intelligent about everything. She's an NPR nerd. And, yes. and I say that in the best way. Yes. Um, so I learned so much from her on set. Me and Allison had a big laugh the other day because Something was said by somebody and they mentioned some country that me and Allison had never heard of and everyone else had heard about it. And Allison made some comment like, oh, so he so-and-so made up a country. And Gillian said, no, that's really a country. It's in blah, blah, blah. And me and, me and Allison both went, wah, wah. <laughs> you know, and it's never in a, a judgmental way. She's just full of, Gillian's just full of so much um, interesting information mm-hmm. and she just shares it. So I feel like if you were to quiz me on R&B uh, from the 70s, I could trounce anyone. You want right. to talk about the OJs or Shalimar, let's do it. Everyone has their field of expertise, and mine is more creative. Any any television show that's come on since 1960, I can talk about it. I've seen reruns of it 
most movies I know something about, if you describe an actor or an actress that's been working in the last 30 years, I will say their name and list their resume. Yeah. We use our brains in different ways yes. depending on what we're interested in. So, you know, it's different types of intelligence, I think. so. I agree with that. But I also, I will say, and, and this uh, listeners have heard me talk about this on the podcast before, so I'm just bringing it up for that reason, is that I 100% agree with you. I felt the same way that you just described and it was bothering me mm. um which isn't to say that it, it i mean all of a sudden it bothered me like yeah. out of nowhere and i'm not really sure where that came from but um but i ended up uh and i will bore the listeners with this too long but i ended up forming with a friend of mine a salon group where we because for exactly all the reasons i just described mm-hmm. i need other people i'm not right. going to do it by myself right. interestingly enough it's something that happens in the magic hour because mm. it's everybody meets um from 7 like 7 7:30 to 9 See. um uh, and it's like 10 people who get together and every month uh, we meet once a month. And for the first hour, one person in the group presents on something that has nothing to do with show business, wow. nothing to do with like current events in the news. Yeah. It's something just specific and unique that for some reason, a kernel of interest came Love and it. it's, and so it's like, you know, somebody's presented on like the freakonomics of sports, which right. I don't even care about. But right. as someone's telling me like, you know, it's actually really interesting because it's the refs that are calling these margins of errors da, 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 da. and it's feeding that part of my brain right. that started to feel like i'm smart but my knowledge was becoming very specific right. to my business right. and all that kind of stuff and so it was just really cool because i'm not necessarily the person who's going to watch a documentary at right. night i'm probably going to watch like a, a movie a movie i'm right. going to watch mad men i'm right. going to watch right. whatever right and so uh and i purposely we chose friends of ours who are like the gillians of the mm-hmm. world who are listening to npr mm-hmm. who are and it really cracked open my world yeah. and i never thought it would lead to the job i have now which is at huffing which is the huffington post, post, Huff yeah. post live so now i'm so educated mm-hmm. on a daily basis mm-hmm. and it's like i'm back in school right but i don't know that that's going to last forever i mm-hmm. might go back to just wanting my brain to be right. like constantly filled with the entertainment and, right. and writing and art and all that kind right. of stuff um, so you never know. You never know. It's all in there. Yeah. Like, you know, the next time Gillian says something like, you could just be like, yeah, I could know that. Right. I could know I that, could. but instead I know this yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, and what, and I don't want to make it seem like she's lording her intelligence and or she's her not. Of she's course not. not. She's just, it's she's as incidental to her yeah, as anything she's else. Inter- she's interested in, in the world and not that I'm not, or that Allison's not. It's just, you know, she grew up without a television in her home. And so she, her way of, um, experiencing life was a little different than the way I experienced life. You know, um, for her, you know, NPR was an escape for me. It it was golden girls. You know what I mean? We all had a way to get out of whatever we were dealing with that we didn't want to, um, you know, be deal with at the time. You know what I mean? So I think it's, I think they're both very valid and, um, and useful information, you know? And, um, yeah. So who did you love? So when you were with your raggle tackle group of misfits in high school, yes. um, and you guys were kind of supporting each other yeah. and creating that community for yourselves, what, uh, was it the golden girls? I mean, what were you inspired by? I know you, when did you get oh, into singing? Did you man. do that your whole life? As long as you can remember. And I've sung my whole life. I, I sang my first solo in church when I was probably six years old. It was Jesus loves me. I remember. Um, so I've been singing. What church do you, what's your, what was your affiliation? Um, Baptist. Uh-huh. My, um, aunt Shirley and her uncle and my uncle Willie were pastors. They still are. My uncle Willie has passed away, but they still have a, 
a church called Christian Fellowship in Ohio. And that was the first church I went to where I got baptized and all of that. Um, and was gospel singing like a big piece of that? Yeah, it was. Like, I, I could not love gospel uh, more. Isn't it amazing? I just talk love, about a, f- a sound that right? raises your spirits. Yeah. And just, I get it. My mom also was a really huge Motown fan. So I grew up with, you know, her Supremes albums and The Temptations and. She got, she bought me Jackson five albums. I didn't know Michael Jackson wasn't still 10 because I got Jackson five albums when I was 10 and he was 27 or whatever by the time. But, um, I grew up on listening to Michael Jackson and, um, loved him Gladys Knight and the pips, that kind of stuff. So it was more about me emulating the voices I heard. I remember I used to always try to sound like Whitney Houston when I was a kid. Like I just want to sing like Whitney Houston. And I feel like you imitate one person. It gives you your voice. Cause I heard once that. Whitney Houston imitated um, Barbara Streisand. So Whitney's voice is her Her version version of Barbara Barbara. Streisand. Brandy Brandy and um, uh, Christina Aguilera emulated Whitney Mm -hmm. and Mariah. Mm -hmm. So their voices are their versions of that. Out of every voice that you just described... Not that you asked, but I have to say Whitney Houston. <laughs> right? Her voice. Whitney Houston's voice. I don't know if I've ever... I mean, I, I, I appreciate mm. Barbara Streisand, but I'm not a huge fan of her voice. Yeah. So I'm so glad that Whitney Houston's interpretation of Barbara Streisand's right, voice right. turned out to be what it was. Whitney Houston's because voice. Because her voice is just... We used to have a de- never... Oh. We used to have a debate in um in the, the Mako Trailer community before we lost both of them. What was Who was the greater loss, Michael Jackson or Whitney? Because of their, you know respective issues or demons or whatever. And we never could come to a conclusion as to which one was the greater loss to music. Um, And now I don't even try to debate it anymore, but I remember I saw Whitney being interviewed by Oprah and Oprah said that most people were angry at her for not safeguarding that gift. Mm. And I remember the look on Whitney's face in the interview where it's, it almost like it was an aha moment for her where she was like, Whoa, was it too late? Yeah. Because it was her voice. Like my voice, like, my speaking voice or whatever. I'm not drinking tea, hot tea and lemon and massaging my vocal cords. And like, I'm not protecting this. Now my gift is not the Whitney Houston gift in speaking or in, in, in music, but I assume that she probably, it was just her voice. It wasn't the voice to Whitney. It wasn't the voice. It was just her voice. So if she wanted to smoke or drink or whatever, you can't separate that. You You don't know. You can't separate that from your demons. That's people, you know, we just, and we start to blame Mm. our gifts for our pitfalls and our downfalls and stuff. And it gets so convoluted. Yeah. So she's got, she's got a gift. That's her gift. But to us, it's the gift. And she hasn't, she didn't, she didn't take care of it. She didn't protect it. And when Oprah said that to her, her face went, whew, like, wow, that's, you know, and so, uh, I don't know. I, I, great loss is all I can say. Yeah. Great, great loss. And, um, yeah, I, I grew up uh, trying to sound like her and, um, you know, my voice is probably a version of whatever it came from between Michael Jackson and her trying to sing like both of them and it became whatever it is. But And you, when you were a teenager, you, I mean, you were singing to the degree of like someone found you yeah, or you I found got, someone I, and you yeah, got your, tell, yeah. tell me about that. Um, Michael Bivens, who's in New Edition and BBD and Discovered Boys to Men, um, became a manager um, when he was doing BBD. And I remember I was in college and he was either college or my last year of high school and he was on BET talking about how he had discovered these groups. And I remember, I was college, I remember saying to my roommate, he's going to manage me. Michael Bivens is going to manage me. I know it's crazy. I love it. It's crazy. Like I had, I've always had for no reason, like ridiculous amount of confidence and faith for like no reason. Right. And my, my roommate was like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, um, Michael Bivens and BBD ended up coming to, um, my, my, not my college, but my college area to do a show. And, um, 
I went to the concert and I found one of their bodyguards after backstage. And I said, I really want to sing for Michael Bivens. Is he around? And he said, no, they're not here. I'm like, Oh please. I really have to sing for him. Guy named Jeff Dyson. I'll never forget him. Jeff saw the desperation in my face and knew that it wasn't, a, I, would, I didn't need him for groupie purposes. I wanted right, to sing. for right. him. So he said, you know what? They're standing at the Cuyahoga fall Sheridan. Do not tell him. I told you just go to the lobby, catch him in the lobby and sing for him. But you did not hear it from me. Um, so I left the concert, went to the Cuyahoga fall Sheridan, Hung around in the lobby. He didn't come. They didn't come back to the hotel till probably two o'clock in the morning. I had to be at work at eight o'clock. I was a day camp counselor for five and six year olds. And um, he came to this to the um, hotel lobby. I followed him all around the hotel lobby. Mr. Bivens, can I sing for you? Mr. Bivens, can I sing for you? Mr. Bivens, can I sing for you? By the time he finally let me sing for him, he was so disgusted with me because there were people there for groupie purposes and he was making the rounds. Oh <laughs> and there's this kid God. like in overalls and a little piece of hay sticking out, <laughs> you know, basically saying, can I sing for you? So um, he let me sing for him and he called me the next day and said he wanted to manage me. And I was I'm about to burst into Isn't it crazy? And so I was in the East Coast family and... Um, toured with um, um, Boys to Men and we did Showtime at the Apollo and we did, um, uh, I think it was like Yo! MTV Raps or whatever was out at that time and we did... um BET, like we were, we were everywhere, and but now this video. is before you moved. Oh here. yeah, I was still in college. So I was this like this intervention that these girls did, where they were like, "We're worried about you." I mean, I you know. had already done I some know. extraordinary yeah. things for being from Cleveland. Yeah, I'd and, already and, done done a little bit, but I think in their mind they were like, "Well," because by the time I graduated from high school, I'm um, from college. The music thing hadn't panned out. I had uh, Michael flew all of us out to L.A. for one summer. It was the summer before my senior year. And um, we were going to do our album and whatever. But all we ended up doing was hanging out, going to parties, you know, sitting by the pool. And my mom called and said, look, here now, uh, you got 32 credits left. Mm-hmm. Now, all I've ever wanted from you is to get this degree. Mm. Please come back and get this degree. And so I told Michael, I said, you know, I, I got two more semesters. I have to go back and get, you know, get this degree. And so he let, he said, sure, go. You'll have a record deal when you come back, whatever. He, I left with his blessing. In the year that I moved back and finished school, the music industry had changed. It became really, um, you know, come on over here, do me, flip me, throw me against the wall. And, and you know, I'm, I'm Prudy McPrude. So it's like there's things that they wanted yeah. that you had to sing to make it that I wasn't going to sing. And this is before NDRE. This is before Music Soul Child. This is before Jill Scott. So music wasn't conscious. There, w- there was no route for me to see a way through that didn't involve hot pants and uh, sequins. Yep. So by the time I was moving out here, the music thing had fizzled. So when they did the intervention, I really did have nothing. Yeah. I didn't have a guaranteed record deal. In again. fact, they probably were even more worried about probably. you. Probably. Like, We've already We've seen, seen this it. go We've seen south. It die. Yeah. We've seen your yeah. dream die. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was more uh, coming from that, you know, but it, it worked out. I mean, I just think, you know, you know, when you have that burning thing in your stomach, like you can tell if you're a person of faith at all, if you believe that there's something guiding your life in any way, I know the difference when it's an Yvette idea and when it's a God idea. Hmm. My ideas, flimsy, <laughs> flimsy at best. You know, I think I'll go and get a burger at two o'clock in the morning. That's not going to end well, Yvette. That's an Yvette idea. Are you saying God's not telling you to <laughs> no, go get the burger? No, he doesn't want me there. He did, my belly yeah. does not want it. He doesn't want yeah. it for me. It's my idea. Yeah. But when it's something that it, it's something that he's called me to, I can feel in my spirit because it's scary, but I feel peace about it. That's how I always know it's God. I'm so envious of Come that. Come on. But you can, it's, it's available to you too. It's, yeah. it's that the thing is, this is what one of my friends said. My friend Janine says this about God. She says, God is a gentleman. He's never going to force anything on you. So being a gentleman, he makes suggestions. Hey, Janet, how about we do this? You just have to be paying and it, attention. Right. And it might be in a tone where it's very low. And if you got all this going on, ah, 
you don't hear that kind. Well, you know, why don't we, why don't we go to the left here and try this instead? Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's a, it's a very gentle, respectful way that he suggests things to us. And then we have to stop and think about it. If I do this, how do I feel about this? This is how I check, check in with myself and check in with God. When I make a decision, if there's peace about it, even if it's something I don't want to do, if there's peace about it, then I go, Oh, doggone it. I got to do it. Yeah. Right. If it's something that seems good, but there's chaos and confusion around it. I know when God is speaking, he doesn't speak to me in chaos and confusion. He speaks to me in peace and calmness. Um, there's always a pathway of peace. Even in the midst of a storm, there's a pathway of peace for me. So my move to LA, not having money, not knowing anybody, not only having a place to stay for three days, that's chaos and confusion around me. But the path in front of me, as in packing my bags, getting to the airport, getting on the plane, I was as smooth, I was as smooth and clear and crystal clear as just a, 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 a cool river. It was just no stress about it at all, no fear at all. And I mm. knew it was what I was supposed to do. And it was very hard the first year or so that I was here. I was sleeping on people's couches and I didn't have a car for like two years. I was out here. So I was riding the bus from like oh, Pasadena Lord. to LA oh, for gosh. work. But it, for me, every time I got on that bus, it was like, I used to tell myself this. I have a hundred times to ride this bus before I get a car. I would just make up some arbitrary number. So when I got on the bus, I check it off. 99. <laughs> 98. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like a little game that you play with yourself. When I started acting, I would tell myself it takes a hundred no's to get a yes. So when I would audition and they would say, no, thank you. I go 99. 98. God, you this know? is so right? inspiring. I just, I, it, I, this is what I think. Oh man, I hope you guys are getting as much out of this as I am. I oh my god, I gotta get checked. I'm so glad I said that because <laughs> no, I need to check, check Twitter. Twitter because uh, Yvette tweeted right before we started, and um, and now we're so obsessed with having this conversation. <laughs> I totally forgot. Okay, this is good. This is good because I have some. Um, I have some. Here's what I'm gonna say to take us into these questions. Um, what I'm gonna say is I feel like. Even my, even our generation and generations uh, younger than us, we're just so conditioned to expect everything right away and Ooh, the instant gratification honey. stuff. Honey. So the, what I'm hearing from you about this dedication to the willingness to be patient mm-hmm. and stuff is a lesson that I need to be hit over the head with every mm-hmm. single day of my mm-hmm. life, even now at yeah. the age I am. Yeah. So I love that we're getting this with you because mm-hmm. I do feel like I was really impatient when I was younger mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, I might have been more patient in ways I didn't realize, but I would characterize myself as just being restless and impatient and feeling like if going back to what we were talking about, even with academics, like if it doesn't come easily to me, mm-hmm. it must mean I'm not meant to do See? it. And this the combination for you of understanding that something's difficult, but that not meaning that it has to be mm-hmm. chaotic or that not right. you know, that not meaning that it has to be this thing that you just can't ever achieve. Right. That's a really delicate balance to strike. Yeah. Um, it's, I just feel like um and and it is a younger generation thing, I think, because, you know, we have TV, we have Twitter, everything is so immediate. You know, even Twitter, like when I was a kid, if you, if I wanted to write Whitney Houston a fan letter, I had to get some paper, a pen, I had to write it, I had to f- research, not online, because I don't think online was even around when I was in junior high or whatever. Yeah, I know. So I'd have to research how to get an address for her, look in the back of a magazine or whatever, write the letter, get a stamp, mail the letter, wait three or four months for her to get the letter and yeah. pray that she will respond. Yeah. People can write me. I could, I could say, Hey, anybody want to send me a question and I'll have 50 of them yeah. right then. And yeah. they're, and they're coming right to me. There's, there's immediacy in this generation, yeah. which I think is a beautiful thing, but I also think it, it translates into them believing that every area of their life should be immediate Couldn't and easy. More. And You're it's not so true. Right. Yeah. It's not you true. You really had to want to write Whitney. You, you had to just do it on yeah, a whim. It's not a whim. And this is why I think people were kinder back then because the energy it took to write something crappy to Whitney 
would take a lot of energy yes. where now you pick up your phone. I can't stand you. Your ankles are fat. Send. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can I be know. really hateful instantaneous now where back then the energy it took to be hateful wasn't worth the time. God, so we were so a kinder, good. gentler people back then when everything wasn't so immediate, you know? Yeah. Um, I try to teach people like speaking of Twitter, I feel like I'm mother hen on Twitter, but <laughs> I just feel like we've lost decency yeah. in this world. I feel like we've lost kindness. We don't take care of each other. We don't watch out for each other. Um, I, I'm really bothered by what I see in comment sections on blog posts. Um, They'll post a picture of, of some woman, God bless, whoever it is. And then it's like they're saying, now tell us what you hate. Yeah. And they literally come in in droves. Why is her pinky toes swinging to the left? I don't like her left eyelash. Like it's so many random things where these women are picked apart. And, I, and what I think to myself is whoever this person is, they did the best they could yeah. on that day. Yeah. And maybe their kids were, were running around and didn't have time to paint that pinky toe. Maybe, you know, they someone in their family died and they have to go to this event, but they're really sad. So they didn't do the mascara the way they should have, or maybe they're just tired because they've worked a 16 hour day and they still have to go to this event. You don't know what's going on in their life that they didn't have the time to get themselves to the level of beauty that you require. Right. You know what I mean? And I just thought, <laughs> I, I want you saying, to run for president. No, what I'm saying, it's like, I am hundred percent serious. Just be decent to each other. Of like it's course. just not, that hard. If you, this is the one thing I always say, if the, if the internet is available to all of us and we can write whatever we want to whoever we want, wouldn't it be better to spend that time writing to people you enjoy? And wouldn't and you feel cele- better in the end? Like the long-term payoff of feeling like you're contributing to this sort of bank of overall positivity yes. versus contributing to the bank of poison. Thank you. There's no way. I don't care if you're having a bad day and you say something crappy to somebody right. in that moment. I get that it's an instant gratification right. in that way. I guarantee you that that's a minus that's in that, your column in of your minuses column. and it is going to even if you're if you if you make your choices for purely selfish reasons even if you make yes. your choices for purely selfish yes. reasons i guarantee you you're making the right selfish choice that's right to say something right. nice and let me tell you something else i think people forget um nothing is lost on god and whether you believe in him or not know this he sees everything you say and do he sees it and what comes back may not come back in the way you gave it like if i insult your tank top this morning it may not be you insulting my shirt this morning. It might be some dream. I, remember, I gotta tell this story. I, this is one of my favorite Please things in the do. world. Please do. And then okay. I promise we will do okay. Twitter because I, I want to get these guys. There's a, it was an episode of the X-Files. Now, you ever watch X-Files? I already love where okay. the story's okay. going. Okay, episode of X-Files. Cigarette smoking man was the guy that was involved in every wretched thing that yes. happened in history. Like yes. Martin Luther King assassination. Everything. He was, <laughs> Kennedy, he was there. There's a picture of him in the back smoking Cancer a cigarette. Man. Cancer, Cancer Man. Cancer Man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cancer Man, they followed him home one day. This only episode I remember that they followed him home. Cancer Man comes into his house and there's stacks of manila envelopes, just stacks, 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 stacks. And there's a brand new one that hasn't been opened that's waiting by his mail slot. So he picks it up and he opens it up and it takes it out. And it's a manuscript written by Cancer Man. <laughs> and the manuscript has a big, we're sorry, we cannot accept <laughs> this story. We don't, you stink. We don't like you, boo. Yeah. Exclamation point. And he puts it back in the manila envelope and puts it back on the stack of a hundred more. So his manuscript had been rejected by, I don't know how many publishers. I don't know how many times. And that, that episode stuck with me because my thought was God knows what you want more than anything in the world. And the worst thing that can happen is for God to come down and stick his thumb right in the middle of that dream you have that you've told no one. Like we all have a secret dream, something that we want more than anything. And I feel like when you go through life and you spread evil like a cancer, 
We may never see those people get their comeuppance, but if you were to follow them home, there is a, a symbi- symbolic, symbolic yeah. stack of manila envelopes of whatever that dream is that God said, this you will not have. You will. You can do whatever you want. You can be hateful in the world, but you will never have the thing you want more than anything. And we'll never know that they got their comeuppance. And so I say to people all the time, feel free to be hateful if you want to. If that's your choice, but just know what you really want in life you will never have. And I don't have to know what it is. I don't even want to know what it is. There's a thing in the Bible that says vengeance is mine. That's why I never get back at people. People say and do horrible things to me and I go, okay, there it is. That's yours. Like you said, that's a check that's in your column. Yeah. I know that I give out love and kindness and, and decency. That's my choice. Every day of my life, I try to go out and make somebody happy in some way. Stranger, family member, loved one, I don't care. Somebody's going to smile before I go to bed tonight <laughs> because it's something I've done. That's a choice yeah. that I make. What choice are you making? Yeah. What cho- Every day we have a choice. What are we going to do with this 24 hours? What are people going to say about you when you're gone? Are they going to say, oh my God, she was, she was always smiling. Or oh, she always had a compliment for me. Or she always encouraged me. Or she's going to say, she never had anything nice to say about me. She was such a jerk. She would- Come on now. We have a choice. And the good thing is, it's a choice you can make every day. So even if you missed it yesterday, pick it up today and yeah. make it better. Yeah. There's no judgment. There's no, you know, dirty, you, you know, you dirty rat. There's none of that. Just yeah. be better. Just be better to each other. Let's love each other. Oh God. Right. I love it. Come on. I love it. All right. I'm, I love it. I'm so inspired. This is, uh, this is why I love doing the podcast. Um, Anna Mikulovsky says, um, Yvette, how do you maintain balance in your profession? Some Hi, of these we've- Anna. I feel like she's a caller. Hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. How Hi, are Anna. you? How are you? Um, <laughs> it's kind of been everything that I've been talking about. Like I have, um, I'm a person of faith. Um, I believe God has a plan for my life. I believe he has a plan for all of our lives. And um, I know that my self-worth is not tied into what I do for a, a, a living. So there's times when you're up in this business, there's times when you're down. Sometimes you're, you're on a show. Sometimes your show gets canceled. Sometimes you're, you know, it, that's just life. And I don't let the highs or the lows define me. Um, it all passes. I think the biggest mistake we make on this earth is when we're in the midst of a good time or a bad time, we think it's forever. And both of them are just as dangerous because if you start to believe the good times are forever, when the inevitable dark time comes, you're devastated. Yeah. If you believe the dark times are forever, forever, you could take yourself out before you even get to the good yes. times. So yes. you have to always remember that no matter how good or how bad it is, it's only for a season. Get the blessing in the good, get the lesson in the bad and just wait for it to spin around again because it yeah. always does. So that's how I keep the balance. I know this is not forever, whatever it is. That's brilliant. You know, that's so. brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, I'm taking it light. Victoria Wilson. Hi, Victoria. What's been Yvette's favorite costume or outfit while being on Community? Oh, favorite costume. Uh, it has to be the Miss Piggy uh, Glenda the Good Witch pink dress. First of all, I felt, I felt nice. that I looked very voluptuous in it. And also, I love pink. It's, my sorority colors are pink and green, Alpha Cap Alpha. Um, and I, I just thought it was a really funny gag. I thought it was funny that she thought she was Glenda and everybody else thought she was Miss Piggy. I just thought it was hilarious. That's fantastic. That's my favorite one. It's a fantastic answer. Yeah. Um, Rick Peavy House Hi, Rick. would like to know if you would like to have your own community spinoff series called Shirley. <laughs> if it was a multi-camera, yes. <laughs> I don't think I'll... I don't know if I'll ever... Uh, willingly sign up for a single camera ever again. Again, because I'm yeah. lazy. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, different it's, hours. Oh than my a god, sitcom. those hours, honey. Um, yeah. And then after doing Pound Puppies as voiceover, like where you go in, you know how it is. No, it's voiceover. such a joy. Go in for like 10 minutes. Oh, you know, like here's some food we ordered <laughs> yeah, for you exactly. in the couple hours you're going to be here in sweatpants. <laughs> I know. You don't have to wear makeup. So um, I think surely 
whenever community ends, I feel like she probably will have run her course. I feel like she's, uh, they've been very generous with the storylines for all of us. And I feel like we, we will have a fully formed idea of who this woman is by the time it ends. So unless they're going to do the Shirley sitcom with an exclamation point in multi-camera format, <laughs> I'm going to go and let Shirley stay in Greendale. Yeah. Shirley exclamation mark. I could not love more. <laughs> Um, here's a question from Jason Serrato. Hi, Jason. How has your experience working on community changed you as an actress and as a person? Ooh, community is the first, uh, gig I've had as an actress where I've played the same character more than a few times. I think Drake and Josh, I played Helen 15 times. I, um, was on victorious playing Helen. So I've played the character of Helen 16 times. I've played Shirley by the time this is over this season, not saying the show is over guys, just saying by the time we finish this season, it will be 84 episodes that I played this character. That requires a level of stamina and focus. I have to be true to her every single week. I have to make sure that the way my facial, what I respond to facially and uh, what I react to has to stay um, the same. And that's, you know, that's a focus that, you know, I'm lazy. That's a focus (laughs) (laughs) that I didn't know I had. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I watch episodes from the first season and then episodes from the third or or I'm on set watching dailies for the fourth season. I realize that it is the same girl. That's a good feeling. That's an that, achievement. Yeah, it's an achievement. Um, and I'm grateful that I'm able to do that. So it's taught me that I'm probably a better, more focused actress than I knew. That's oh, the way that's it's, fantastic. It's, it's helped me or changed me. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Flynn uh, wants to know where you get your sense of humor. Hey, Kay Flynn. That's my buddy. We play words with friends together. He, um, yeah, he follows me too. And yeah. he always has like really fun. Uh, oh, I, you know what? I didn't even know. Because, <laughs> you know, I think I can never tell. No one ever say, identifies I, themselves. I joke and say she's in the witness protection program because she never, or, you know, it's Kay Flynn yeah. from MN. Yeah. Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yep. So she's she's hiding who she is. I know you're a woman. Oh I my god, just, I had no idea <laughs> yeah, that you were a, a girl. And the, and I will tell you right now that the reason that I assumed that you were a boy is so stupid because I'm not I'm not sexist. Like I don't just assume everyone's a guy. The reason is that um, <laughs> I was such a nerd for Tron when I was a kid <laughs> that Kay Flynn to me means Kevin Flynn Got because it. that is Jeff Bridges' character's See? name. Nerd so you alert. Just, your brain takes over. over. Your brain just like takes the yes. thing that seems the most familiar it just goes goes nuts what was her what was her question uh that was uh that was where you got your sense of humor oh my mom my mom is really funny um and what i loved about my mom is you know when we were growing up and money was tight my mom made a joke about everything like nothing was um life was serious enough she didn't want our lives to be serious Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so she was there's never been a joke that my mom has not gone for physical comedy the whole bit she's she's really that chick so my mom, we got a really fun childhood with my mother. So oh, I she love made me that. funny. And then entertainment it's a, wise, it's huge. It's huge. It's, I mean, you know, life, when life is difficult to know that the lights might be off when you get home, but your mom is going to be there, you know, with some food and a hug telling you it's going to be better tomorrow. And then she's going to make you laugh and send you to bed. Come on. Yeah. You know, and then as far as um, entertainment wise, I loved Carol Burnett when I was a kid. And, yes. Um, Love the Carol Burnett show and, um, you know, Golden Girls, stuff like that. Uh, Felicia Rashad on Cosby Show, um, B. Arthur. These are people that I loved, yeah. I didn't really watch the Golden Girls until... You later? I don't know, yeah. Somehow they hold up. They hold up. up. That was a a bevy of incredibly strong Mm -hmm. performers. Yeah, if you're... What a group. My thought is if you want to be an actress in this industry and you're not watching episodes of the Golden Girls, you're doing yourself a very big disservice because every character type that you're going to play ignore the ages ignore their yeah. ages yeah Every they're all there they're all there you got the vamp you got the 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 dim-witted one you got the smartest one in the room you got the prankster like it's all 
there. Yeah. And you can see how they, they navigate those characters and, and it's seamless. So that's a oh, required love viewing it. for any actress. I, I would say love the GGs. Yes. Um, here's another community. What was your favorite community moment on screen or off? Ooh. That's a good that on from? screen or off. That's from Mike. Hi Mike. He's a community net. That's favorite. his handle at oh, community, community net. I love it. Uh, favorite moment on and off screen, um, off screen, any bit Donald Glover does. I just realized we, you know, we just got back to work this, this week for the first, um, episode of uh, season four. Donald is so prolific in his bits that he now has greatest hits that we request. That's so my favorite, there's been two, there's two bits. It was one that I actually forgot about, but my favorite bit that Donald, (laughs) Donald does I'm laughing just at the thought of it. It's, <laughs> it's not right. Like when I'm going to say this is it's not right, but it involves him and a dog and and um that's uh, all I can say. And it's not it's not sexual. I right. want to be clear about that. It's not sexual, right. but it involves Donald and a dog and it's the funniest thing <laughs> cuz his his physicality is just so insane. Um oh. so Donald off-screen anything he says or does. He actually made me laugh so bad on Thursday that I ruined like three takes because the laugh just lingered like we would yeah. they would say cut it would bubble yeah, back you better you okay yes i'm okay and we'd start the scene again and he'd do it again and i'd die so oh. donald is hilarious um on screen probably the foosball stuff with with joel um because it was very joel and i have a have a, a common problem in that <laughs> we can't really say lines and do physical activity easily <laughs> at the same time it's like kind of walking and chewing gum oh, that's such a great yes. thing to know <laughs> yeah, so like joel when he had when we did the law and order episode when he had to say his lines while dropping the yams joel was like wow this i wow and so i was kind of me with the foosball because you have to say certain lines at certain points and you got to do certain physical activity and I, my mind and I don't know if it's forever, but in that moment it just did not work yeah. the way it should. So to see the actual show and see that they actually got me saying this while I was turning this, it's a victory. I, I'm, I'm not going to, I listen, I love to make this about me because it's my podcast. <laughs> God damn it. But I will just say that what that made me think of is that I shot something with Joel where we were, it was like this, this spoof of a romantic comedy. Yeah. And, um, the idea was that I was having a conversation with someone while on a treadmill See? and I have to lose track of what I'm doing and fly backwards See? off the treadmill tr- and then, and then spring into his arms and See? he has to catch me and say too something. Much, too much. Same thing. We were both like, I, I can't I don't do know this. How. Can I do this and then say the words? Can we say the words first? Tell like, we can't hard. do both. It's very hard. Yes, yeah, so we have that in common. We can't. It's, you know, I don't know. That is that is uh, very understandable. So that's actually this because you tweeted fairly recently and because it's a Sunday. Those are the questions that have rolled in so far and we're pretty much at an hour. So I'll check once more after I do this. One other thing I want to do with you. But I think probably what's going to happen is like inevitably this is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like for the next three days, I'm going to be getting questions for you. And And I'll answer answer them on Twitter. And yeah, and we'll 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 work it out some way or other. Mm -hmm. Um, But you probably won't hear them shouted on the podcast because it was it was a narrow window that we provided. Yeah. However, I do Isn't want to use catcher? this cootie catcher, <laughs> which I did use with Allison Bree. That was the first time I used it. Victoria Eden, who is a fan who became a friend through the podcast, um, who also helps me with the JV Club podcast account, um, made this for me. It's beautiful. Aww. She wrote the questions that are inside. And so um, we're just going to answer maybe like three of these. Okay, cool. Um, so I have to hold, I've sort of started figuring out how to You should see how contorted yeah, she is to hold thing. the mic and the cootie catcher. But uh, I am 
extending the cootie catcher forward. I would like yellow. I knew you were going to pick How yellow. How did you know I was going to pick I don't know. I know. See, we're, it's we're, the sunshiniest, most positive. We're vibing today, dear. Oh, Y-E-L-L-O-W. And then a number inside. I would like three. One, two, three. Another number. Two. One, two. One last number. One. Some of the numbers are backwards. One. FYI, if they seem confusing. Okay, number one. In high school, if you had to fit in with a clique other than the one you mainly identified with, what would it be? That is very cool because we have not gotten this we question We didn't, yet. yeah. Oh, good. Okay. And we didn't talk about high school much. I kept veering off into it's other It's totally okay. That's the, that's the, you never know with this podcast. So um, it's all good. I wish, you know, probably the sporting group. Mm-hmm. I've never been really sporty. I was a high stepper in high school and Joel McHale makes fun of this all the time, but we were like the cheerleaders for the band. So we had pom-poms and the cute, same little cute skirts that cheerleaders wore and all that. Um, and that was like the most athletic I got in high school. Um, but I watched the Olympics mm-hmm. <laughs> recently and just mm-hmm. the amount of um, skill that, that sports people have athletes have. It just really made me think like, dang, I wish I would have ran track or I wish yeah. I would have, you know, so I wish I probably would have gone like the, the, the sporting route in some way. Ran I kind of wish I something. had too, right? for the same reason when right. I was watching the Olympics or even talking to Allie about yeah. the being a gymnast and yeah. stuff. I thought, you know, I really was great at that stuff when I was in grade school. Mm-hmm. And then the second I got to junior high and I was allowed to choose dance yeah. and musical theater oh, in dance. lieu of sports. Yeah. That's all I did yeah. for the rest of the time that I was. Yeah. And now I really enjoy sports and stuff. And yeah. I feel like, oh, I just learned to play tennis like right, four years ago. Right. And I wish I would. I wish I could be awesome at exactly. it already. Agreed. So. Agreed. Um, okay. We'll do another one. Red. R-E-D. Four. One, two, three, four. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Six. Okay. Six is, what was the name of your first crush? Oh. My first crush, his name was Rod. Ooh, I'm going back. I'm, <laughs> everybody, I'm six again. No, his name was Rodrigo Williams. He was, uh, we were in first grade and he was gorgeous. There's a group, I always joke about this, but there's this group, a, a singing group called DeBarge, El DeBarge. Oh, his brothers. I definitely okay, know DeBarge. DeBarge. He looked, Rodrigo Williams, we call him Rico. We call him Rico, but his full name is Rodrigo. Rico looked like a DeBarge before mm. I knew what DeBarges were. And I just... <laughs> thought he was the most beautiful thing i'd ever oh. seen so yeah rodrigo williams first grade mayfair grade. mayfair elementary school uh, i wonder where rico's in, is, is today. rico williams now rico if you happen to be listening to the podcast <laughs> first of all you have amazing taste in podcasts all right we'll do one last one and then i'll send you on your way hilarious pink p-i-n-k eight one two three four five six seven eight uh what was oh? What was the first concert you attended that wasn't chosen by your parents? Oh, that's a good one. These um, are great questions. It's so funny. It was El, it was uh, DeBarge and Luther. Vandross. Hey, that's perfect. And Luther Vandross. What a yeah. segue. Luther Vandross is a great was a great performer. Um, yeah, one absolutely. of the best. And there was this uh, theater in Ohio called Front Row, and it was a theater in a round. So that so you everybody sat around the whole theater. So the performer had to work all corners. But beyond that, the the stage turned. So wherever you were, you had a front row seat. That's why they call it the front row. That's so a great. It, you think there would be more? I wish there like were more. That. that yeah, and it's it's not even there anymore. It's gone. I don't even know if they make theater in, theaters in around anymore. But when you got a ticket to a front row concert, you knew that at some point that stage was going to spin around. He was going to. He's going to be right in front of you, and El Debarge spinning around towards you it was like Christmas morning. So yeah, it was Luther Vandross and, and Debarge. It's my first concert. Oh. 
that's a that's a that's a hot ticket right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm trying to think of what mine was that I didn't go with one of my parents. I don't know. All I ever, all I can think of with my first concerts were all with my dad. And really? What were they? Two what of them were, were Huey Lewis. <laughs> ah, well. <laughs> one of my best, I'll say my, my favorite concert experience, I went with my dad. I went to see the Jackson Victory Tour. Oh, the only I time I saw Michael Jackson rocking. live. And um, there was like a lottery in Cleveland because tickets were so hot. Sure. So you had to send in, mail in a, a letter and you got thrown into a, a, a pit and then they pulled your name and you got the chance to buy tickets. And I won the lottery and I was like, "We're uh, guess what? We're going. And probably the last whooping, because my mother believed in whoopings. The last whooping mm-hmm. I got was the tantrum I threw about her trying to decide if she was going to take me to that concert. <laughs> and she whooped my tail because I acted up. And, my, and finally my dad their divorce with my dad was like, uh, please don't kill our child. I will take her. Oh. And so that's how I ended up going with my dad to the oh. victory tour concert. But yeah. Um, I love that. It ended up being DeBarge after all. That. I know. Right. Uh, what just a nice talking about it. What was your favorite all DeBarge song? Oh gosh. There's so many. Um, all this love is big in my world. Yeah. Um, queen of my heart. Oh, but no, <laughs> silly me. Time will reveal. I don't time even re- know if I can think of time. Will I need reveal. I know the other make two. a new mixtape. It's going to happen. Oh, I'll take it's, it. it's, 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 the most beautiful love song about someone. This man is telling his woman, you know, let me show you how much I love you. What can I do to the first lyric is what can I do to make you feel secure, to remove all your doubts so that you know for sure that you're the apple of my eye. Um, um, it's, it's just basically him telling his, his love, you know, I do love you. Like time will reveal how much, but please know I do love you. Uh, What girl is not like, Oh, Tell me, I Elle. love it. Isn't that beautiful? I it's, love it's it. So what can I do to make you? Well, I love and, and listen. Now that we've rounded out the podcast, I also love that it feels like that. I know that it's a love song, but it connects back to me to your spirituality to God, and the yeah. idea that time yeah. will reveal what can I do? the over like your your perception of a, a plan or, yeah. or just that you've been given you've been given the gift of of that love if you know how to listen for it or how to look That's for right. it. And uh, and I'm not you know I'm not. Um, I'm not spiritual in the same way mm-hmm. that you are. I think that I'm very spiritual mm-hmm. in in my way, but I but I I'm so seeking after that ability to hear yourself and to hear the voices from other people and from the universe and mm-hmm. and to and to really ask the right questions of yourself and sit with feelings instead of just like diving I, in. I would and, say and this, not being, um, you know, I've had a lot of questions um, on Twitter about <clears throat> my faith and whatnot. And this is what I really want to say to people that are not they don't deem themselves to be spiritual or they don't really get who God is. The easiest way I can describe God is God is simply love. And when a lot of times I feel Christians have made it hard for God's PR because Christians are human and they're fallible and they're, a lot of them are very stupid. I love the Lord, but his people, sometimes they say, and if they hide behind God while they're being stupid, do things that are not what he has called us to do. All he's called us to do is love each other. They asked Jesus, even in the Bible, but boil down what, what you want. What is, what is this walk? He said, love God, love yourself and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, there's a lot of things that you naturally won't do because when you love someone, you don't steal from them. You don't covet their stuff. You know, it's everything that's, that people think are the rules of life is all covered. If I love you, there's certain things I'm not going to do to you. There's certain things I'm not going to say about you. There's certain things I'm not going to take from you if I love you. And so for me, 
that's the easiest way to describe who God is. He's love. He's that feeling of care and concern for everyone. He told us in the Bible not to judge, judge not lest she be judged. He told us in the Bible before you fiddle with the splinter in someone, take that big plank of wood out of your eye. I got enough stuff that I got to worry about for me that I don't have time to point fingers at what other people are doing. He told me to love. And that's all I do. So I say to anyone that's wondering who God is and how they can know him better, just tap into that feeling of love and care and concern for other people. And if you do that, you will find him. Period. Yvette, thank you so much for doing the podcast. I hope Yay. we had as good a time as I had did. Even if you had 5% of as good of a time. No, um, I had a great I'm time. I'm all like, I love when I finish a podcast and I just feel amped and inspired. Yay. And that is how I feel right now. I feel all wiggly. Um, she makes a mean iced tea and, too, people. Uh, mean iced tea. And we did tea. have some iced tea. Um, and so, yeah. So like I said, guys, I'm sure that you know some of these questions are probably going to roll in in the days to come. And uh, if they come to me and not Yvette, I will uh, make sure that they get to her. And also you're free to leave uh, questions and comments on the Nerdist website and um and after the episode gets released and uh and so thanks so much for listening thanks for giving me a reason to um be able to sit down across from this amazing woman oh yeah and uh, we'll see you guys uh next time on the podcast bye guys as always the jv club theme song is back before we were brittle by the amazing say hi Now leaving Nerdist.com.